0: Welcome back to Reading and Ranting, where we read obsessively and rant about life in our 20s. I'm Carly. And I'm Mia. And today, for our reading section, we're going to cover A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Maas, the series that started it all. We're going to dive into the characters that we relate to, our favorite characters, and various hot takes. It's going to get spicy. Oh, yeah. And hopefully, this goes without saying, but there will be spoilers ahead for the entirety of the Accord of Thorns and Roses series by Sarah J. Mass. So, if you haven't read those yet, please do yourself a favor and go pick them up. But please feel free to skip ahead to the rant section of this episode. Mia, I know we talked about this a little bit, but how did you discover Avatar? So, immediately post my big breakup that I mentioned in our first episode. I landed on BookTok kind of by happy accident and I kept seeing recommendations for this ACOTAR label and I was really confused. I had no idea what like ACOTAR stood for. Yeah. When I finally Yeah, literally. <laughs> like I actually like I was so confused. I was like, "What is this acronym?" So, I finally like, coughed it up, and I was at half-price books one day, as we do, because we're broke bitches, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, this seems cute, and I kind of knew that it was romance so I was like, all right, but I had no fucking clue about the plot, literally zero, yeah. none.
1: For actually, for context, had you ever read a fae book? No. I had never I had it fae.
0: Right? Okay, so I had no idea that there was this entire sub-genre of, like, fantasy. fantasy with fantasy. Fae in fairies. Yeah, that like, like
1: fairies, and like you think like Lord of the Rings, like the elves, and stuff like that, but you don't think like Fae, whatever yeah, they are.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and I had no idea that this was like this entire like established thing. And I feel like after it now, since I've read other books, I realized like the whole like iron and like Faye can't lie and like all those like myths or whatever like sarah j Mm -hmm. mass was like alluding to other books where like that's established but like then establishing that that's not true in her Faye world and so i read the first book a court of thorns and roses in literally i think less than 36 hours like i was up until 2 a.m reading had to go to work the next day came home immediately finished the rest of the book by that evening I literally made a TikTok, so I know the exact day, because I said that it has an absolute chokehold on me, and little did I know what I was getting myself into. So I ended up finishing the entirety of the Massiverse, so all of Sergey Mass's books in one month. So I read Akatar, and then I went on to Throne of Glass, and then I went on to Crescent City, um, each of them wrecking me in various ways. And I love and appreciate every series, but we're going to focus on ACOTAR today. Mia
1: and I think both have to agree that A Court of Silver Flames is our favorite. Um, go Nesta. We'll dive into that a little later. That might already be a hot take that we're getting into. Um, but I'll kind of go into how I got into A Court of Thorns and Roses. And the person who got me into it is sitting right next to me, Mia. As we discussed in last episode, kind of have a resurgence of our love of reading in our early 20s. I started off with Akatar. I think it was the first actual book I had read in years like really had just not sat down with the book and I was addicted as well I would read like any chance I got work from home lunch break breakfast like in between meetings was so addicted the storyline the sex the the romance like it just it it really brought back my unrealistic expectations of men which has subconsciously like not done well for me my entire life but here we are and I think Mia you know you had some feelings considering you'd already finished the series but when I had just started reading the first book I didn't expect there to be this massive plot twist eventually I was like oh Reese this guy like he came in but no like Tamlin and Farah, like
0: these are these is this is end game it was so funny, like doing the whole fake text, the gaslighting. Like I vividly remember getting all these texts from Carly, like, dude, I'm so freaking obsessed. Like I love Tamlin, I love Feyre. they're so cute. And it I wasn't. Know, it was <laughs> so it was so funny because I literally was seeing like jokes and memes about people being like, Oh, when your friend just started the series, but you know that Feyre and resand ended up together, but you have to pretend to like Tamlin. Um, and I feel like it's a well-kept secret.
1: I just am really impressed at how it is a well-kept secret. And hopefully, if you haven't read *A Corn Thorns, and Roses*, you're not listening to this. <laughs> well, this is a this is a good segue into saying Mia is our theory master here. She's the one scrolling through TikTok. She's making that like Parks and Rec meme of the the board with all the different like criminal mind
0: I literally fully have like the red string, whiteboard. Like that is in my brain at all times. So
1: I think there's a ton of theories we can talk about. And so many of them have to do with the Mass Verse and how Throne of Glass, Akatar, Crescent City, they all overlap, but we're gonna try to just keep this mostly to Akatar, even though it's hard, it's hard to keep this down for now, but. Just
0: letting you know, like, it's coming, you guys, like, I literally have so much information in my brain, I feel like I can't contain it at times, like, i Half started... the time
1: when Mia's talking about theories, I'm like, do we read the same books? Because I just don't understand what you're saying.
0: But... I'll literally go, I'll literally go back to Kylie and be like, yeah, and do you remember? And, like, I'll, like, blurt out this, like, one exact line. Like, and I'm like, not at memory. all <laughs> Yeah. And like <laughs> well, when I went to be fair, and Mia's reread
1: like most of the books by this point. Yeah. I haven't gotten to that point yet.
0: I am I am on my rereads round two right now for everything. Cause we just like devoured it so quickly that like looking for the little hints, I feel like I wasn't wasn't there the first time around. Sure. I only saw like the obvious stuff. But now, oh my god, I'm in it. But to keep it to keep it to Akatar, I wanna bring it around to our favorite bat boy <laughs> carly's favorite bat boy I yeah i was going like, who's our who's our favorite here <laughs> i'm kinda, like we kind of disagree
1: actually when you said that it was like no one comes to mind because there's too many options he's like,
0: he's like they're a collective favorite all three of those oh my god unrelated i forgot to tell you i set up my wi-fi and guess guess what I wrote the username and password as? What is it? I literally made like the Wi-Fi network SJM whore. Oh my god. And the password, <laughs> the password is just the bat boys. That's so funny. <laughs> but
1: okay. Now I know what you're talking about. My favorite. This is who I think would be like my type to a T. Like quiet, mysterious, broody, Asriel obviously if you didn't get that from that description
0: then we can't be friends and can i just say that the first four books Azriel had me in a chokehold i was like oh yeah. the wingspan he's my guy
1: you introduced i remember you were like you're gonna love the inner circle like the bat boys are mm-hmm. so hot and I was like, who are these bat boys? Like, yeah. I have no idea who
0: you're talking about. I know. I was like, just wait until you get to book two. Like, oh my God. Yeah. And I remember you called him Daddy Az or something. Yeah. Oh my God. No, I like, I, I was an Azreal girl until Akasaf because Silver Flames, Cassian, just like. Yeah. Mia got converted. Yeah. I was converted. I and love Cassian, but something about Daddy Ass. I just, Az. I love the mystery. So, unfortunately, he's obviously our fictional boyfriend, but for plot's sake, I have a couple of different thoughts on Azriel's mate. So... Yeah, this is the question of the hour, because we got Reese and Farah, we have Nesta and Cassian, what's next? Right. So, there's a question, right? Like, is Azrael's love interest, like, not gonna actually be his mate? So is Elaine and Asriel going to happen? You know, the bonus chapter Mm -hmm. really laid out Elaine versus Gwen. And I'm going to go out on a limb here. I like Gwen for Asriel. I think the detail of him saving her from the temple and we haven't even heard really what happened like from either of their perspectives yeah no we don't know anything about asriel's perspective we only know what gwen endured and that her twin sister died Mm -hmm. right to save the children that she was with or something like that and then at that moment like before the men were going to attack gwen after killing her sister asriel showed up Mm -hmm. and like saved her and it was just like casually thrown in there but like you know Sarah J. Mass like loves to throw and those she had hands. this
1: fear of men, and I feel like he's mm-hmm. going to be this like redemption arc where he's going to be gentle, and you know he is his own trauma from his family and his burned hands, so it's yeah. so, like they're
0: going to heal each I other. I love like like the touch trauma parallel. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. True. Yeah, you know Sarah loves her trauma, her like, trauma bonds, relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, never I don't know say never,
1: especially in Sarah's world. Like, never say never, but I feel like from that bonus chapter, we got a little Easter egg about the little love triangle with Elaine and Gwen. And me and I have talked about this a lot, but I just think it can't be that simple where it's three sisters and three brothers. It's just, that's so cliche. And I think Sarah knows that that's cliche. I think
0: it's too boring. Honestly, I don't even know if Elaine is going to end up with Lucian, like... There's a couple of theories floating around for her other potential love interests. So yeah, Elaine's like an enigma.
1: She's so boring, but also her—it's like there's so many
0: questions about her. I know, and like her like seer powers, mm-hmm. like that the cauldron gave her. Like she's cauldron blessed versus like Nesta fucking like took the took cauldron the power. like in a chokehold and was like, "Give me the power of death." Like, yeah, that's why last, she's our queen. The last <laughs> theory we have to get into. It's a little bit sad, so trigger warning. I'm gonna mention like miscarriages, but there's a theory that, and I think that this is a backstory that we absolutely need to have for Moore and Eris. And so this is talking about when Moore Mm. is dumped by her father at the border of the Autumn Court. So there's a theory that Moore was actually pregnant with Cassian's baby. Because yeah. she lost her virginity to Cassian. Because she had lost her virginity reminder. to Cassian, even though she's gay for the girlies. She's for the girlies. Yes, she's for the speak girlies. That way, but she lost her virginity to ruin herself, so that she wouldn't have to marry Eris. Like mm-hmm. her dad was gonna marry her off to Eris in the engagement or whatever, whatever. The court of nightmares. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so, if Moore had gotten pregnant, then her dad would have considered her like even more ruined for any other potential marriage. And there's a very specific verbiage that Sarah uses when describing this that there was the note taped to Moore's womb. Not her stomach, not her abdomen. The note taped to her womb when she was dumped at the Encore border. So whether or not she was pregnant, something went down there that we don't have all the answers to. And I want to see that. I want to know. I feel like this next book whether it's
1: Crescent City or the next Akatar book. It's it's going to be for the inner circle. Like, it's going to be a more book. It's going to yeah. focus on Azriel. It's going to focus on Amren. She's also an enigma. Like, who knows can we talk what's about, happening. Can we talk
0: about the fact that Amren is a puzzler? <laughs> That's, like, one of the most, like, written, I mean, I guess when you're, like, a 15,000-year-old ancient being. We like, can talk
1: about how Sarah J. Mask is all her characters, these, like, niche Interests for no reason. So and like I feel like it's almost like a little like joke on her part. Like everyone's like Ferris, actually the worst artist of all time, and Reese <laughs> is just like, Yeah, you go, girl. Like, love you so much. And like, I know. Literally, it's like it's like child like children's like, like finger painting. Yeah. <laughs> like stick figures. Like,
0: I know canonically she's a really good artist, but I just imagine her painting like I think it's easier because she's like too perfect if she's a great artist, yeah. but yeah, there's a lot. And same as, like, it's Aylin and type. Piano and Bryce and dancing. Uh-huh. Like, they're a little niche hobby. I do appreciate like... who
1: Bryce likes to dance, but she's not made out to be this, like, amazing dancer. Facts. Facts. So, I'm like, I feel you. Because I feel like I always was good at things, but I never was, like, amazing. <laughs> no, literally the fact that her so, best like, friend... So, really, like, no, the fact that, like, that's her hobby, but her best friend is, is better. at the ballet. No, I feel that. A hundred percent. Bryce, okay. by far, is the most
0: relatable. But I'm as we so said, relatable. we're keeping this to We'll stop going well, off on our... T- we just can't help ourselves. Yeah, it's just all so good. Now that we've covered our theories that are top of mind, and that doesn't even get into the massiverse theories. No. But doesn't touch it at all no literally like we scratched the freaking surface but want to get your hot takes carly my hot take my hot take
1: i think pharaoh overreacted to tamlin like yes yes he became became a dick and then <laughs> saw all the shit but at the beginning he locked her in the house i know that was a big deal Maybe I just have a lot of trauma in my life, but I'm like, girl, that's not even that bad. Like, he was just trying to keep you safe.
0: No, I actually agree with this hot take. I think that Tamlin actually deserves a redemption arc. So I think... He does. I think the mistake we... Okay, so one of my understandings and, like, like reasons that I really like Sarah J. Massett's writing is that she has re- really unique takes about how... The, her different characters respond to trauma and I think like the classic example of that is Nesta versus Feyre versus Elaine like all of them have very different trauma responses to being turned Fey and what they experienced losing their dad etc cetera, etc cetera. and Sergey Mas does these deep dives on how they react to their trauma right and so I think Tamlin isn't necessarily given the benefit of the doubt that he was so terrified because he really did truly love Feyre he, he was in love with her I mean they mm-hmm. fell in love book one like the answer to Amaranth's riddle is love. Like, yes. you know, it's true love. She stabbed him in the heart to save his life. Yes. <laughs> Shit got deep. Yes. Um, and so I think it gets overlooked that he was trying to protect her in a fucked up way that yes, like man trying to control her, keep her locked away in the it's house. like a
1: toxic ex-boyfriend who at the time yeah. you loved him and looking back you're like, wow, that wasn't great.
0: Exactly, but I mean, he tried
1: to have good intentions. I exactly. just don't think he knew what good intentions are. Sure. But maybe this is a hot take. I think my favorite book is *A Court of Silver Flames. Oh, not like, a hot
0: take. That's my I hero. just
1: think it's it's a hot take, but also, like, is it? Just hear me out. Like, Farrah and Reese, like, they had such a cute romance. Like, they were amazing. They were fighting this war. They really showed up for each other. They died for each other. But... I'm just someone where I kind of love, like, the angst and the trauma and the humor. Like, Farron and Reese are the type of couple where I feel like in real life they're actually, like, insufferable to be around. And they just be all, like, super lovey-dovey and, like, touching. And, and, you know, in, like, if you're going to, like, third wheel a couple, they're the type of couple where you're, like, over my dead body will I third wheel them. So, like, their books were, like, great, but they almost were too perfect in retrospect because then I wrote or read... I wish I wrote it. I read A Court of Silver Flames and Nesta's just a bitch who's also going through a lot of trauma and she's just coming to terms with her mental health and who she is. Cassian's like, you know, he's trying to be more than this like big dude with muscles. He's trying to be emotional and he's also coming to terms with loving someone as difficult as Nesta and helping her through her mental health journey. And him
0: believing. I feel like people forget that Nesta has to help Cassian feel like he's worthy of being loved mm-hmm. because, like, he has all the trauma from being a bastard and being abandoned, exactly, and like not accepted by the Illyrians.
1: But their relationship—it's just so funny how they basically start out as like fuck buddies. Like right? they never were, like were like. I'm your mate like we're in love now let's have sex it was literally just like being horny and then finally being like okay we actually do love each other and I just love the almost like enemies to lovers because I would say they were enemies like the first
0: time they met I would not say they were enemies they
1: were like slight enemies
0: that's I mean, like that's, light on the. They, it's light, it's like, like a it a wasn't hate like to love. it was a hate it's to love.
1: Like... It was a, it wasn't in full blown enemies to lovers, but it was a hate to love. So I just love, like I'm like an angsty girl. I love an enemies to lovers trope, like this. Mia knows this about me, so I just think Silver Flames by this by far has been my favorite book. Oh no,
0: and I completely fucking agree. Like there's just no comparison for me, and I I loved. It's, like, even hard to choose because I loved, 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 loved the favorite reason,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like, love story and, like, their journey. But just something about, like, I think it's just because I see so much of myself in Nesta. She's so
1: much easier to relate to. Like, Fae, yeah. she's, like, so, like, she has this, like, hero complex where she was the one that saved the family because she was hunting when she was, like, 12 and... Then she became Faye to save everyone else. And I'm like, girl, that probably would not be me. Like, if I was in the Hunger Games, I'd be the first to die. Like, I just can't relate to that. So, Nesta, I'm just like, okay, I I relate to your trauma. I relate to your self-hatred. I relate to, like, not letting a guy who wants to help you or letting anyone, frankly, help you. But especially, like, both Cassian and Nesta wouldn't love each other because they couldn't even love themselves. And I'm like, I relate to that.
0: I relate to that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think... I also think, like, the hot take about Nesta is that I acknowledge, like, she was fucked the first few books. Like, she was, like, rude. She was straight up mean. Her trauma that she literally admitted that, like, she wanted her family to suffer to see if her dad could help them. And then realizing when he died that she had to come to terms with how she treated him when he was alive. Like... That's the point, like she did grow. she did get over it, like I know I, I think that's why I like her. The dad plot line
1: was kind of like it was very small. If I really had to think back, I almost feel like it didn't really do much for anyone, but I guess it it showed Nesta's like I feel like it kind of ruined Nesta though for the for silver flames like that's what made her like really fall off the deep end no it is was him dying and she basically was like I never got to actually be a good daughter and like be kind to my father who tried as hard as he could and then you know he wasn't perfect but no
0: yeah and I think also like the background that we get in silver flames on Nesta and like their mom? Like, I'm so curious about Mama Archeron, because... Mm-hmm. They
1: say she's really similar to her, right? And that, they, basically, yeah. the mom was like, you have to have this attitude to, like, get men, and... Right? Yeah,
0: she wanted to, like, marry Nesta off to, like, a duke or a mm-hmm. prince. Because that's when, like, she goes and has the dance with Eris to, like, seduce him to get information out of him, and then yeah. Cassian cuts in, and he was taking dancing lessons from Moore yeah. to be able to dance It's with funny, her. because
1: I think Pharaoh so is, like, in the first few books, portrayed as, like, the sultry, like, she's, like, on Reese's lap, like, in the really revealing clothing, but I'm like, no, if anyone's gonna be doing the seducing out of all the sisters, it's gonna be Nesta.
0: Last thing on Nesta, the fact that Sarah J. Mass literally gave our girl the obsession with reading smut,
1: like, I just,
0: she really, she knows the audience, like, I... Forgot about that until right
1: now. No, she really was like, Nesta is for my readers. No. Like, she is
0: for all. She is she you. She is you. Yeah. And, like, our little, like, her Valkyrie book club. Also, like, the fact that she and Gwyn and Emery swap little smut books, like, is literally yes. yes, <laughs> it's literally, literally what we do. Yes. Yes, it's literally what we do.
1: Like, they're basically us. They're basically the podcast hosts.
0: Um, Except I try and do, like, a 10-minute ab workout, and I'm dying. Sometimes. Yeah. Have I well, told we don't you? have as in Cassian as our Yo, personal literally, trainers. sometimes I have to think, I'm like, what would Cassian do? Yeah. You're, you're, he would like be like
1: stand correctly. Like you have too much weight in one leg. Tighten your core.
0: Fix your stance. No, like, he'd probably
1: be like, after this, we can go fuck. So just like do a couple yeah. more punches and let's let's go. I will always be mad at Sarah for taking out the threesome scene because I, can't even think I was. About it. This is the I last. This is actually the last thing. If like Nesta fantasizing about Cassian and Azriel when they were like. Dueling with each other, like sparring, and she started basically having this like sex dream like, fantasy. She wanted to be fucking
0: Eiffel Tower. Like, don't yeah. we all, Nesta? I was so like, real. girl, <laughs> I relate. Like, Nesta, we are we are the same. We mm. are the same. No, but yeah, fuck the editor on that one because Sarah literally wrote the threesome scene. Like, can we get it the we'll never scene? We'll never see it, I don't think. It's never going to be brought to life.
1: But I do agree. But like, why is that I do. I do agree. This is another reason why Elaine can't be. Asriel's like me or end up because if she was even going to include a threesome scene, I feel like it'd be weird for Ness to have slept with Asriel for
0: then Asriel yeah. to end, then end up with Elaine. Especially because Elaine's a prude, apparently. Mm hmm. Even though I'm shocked that she's not a virgin. Yeah, well, she had that with like her human fiance or mm-hmm. what the fuck ever. I'm not an Elaine hater. That sounded, like, so condescending. I'm really not an Elaine hater. <laughs> Are you sure? But, like, sometimes I'm like, girly pop, okay. She'll have a comeback, maybe. I think she will, too. Sarah knows where
1: it's going, and we'll have to trust her. Sarah, if you're listening to this, like, please,
0: please let us meet up with you. We love it. Okay, now to get into our favorite, Section of the podcast. We're going to be ranting today about forming female friendships and the importance of developing your female friendships in your 20s. First
1: things first, making friends post college is so hard. Like, I had already been a post grad for a year, and before I met you and our other co worker, I really had not made many other friends outside of college. So, I realized how hard it is. and it's been really, I think, rewarding and refreshing to basically just have these friendships where you're like, we actually get along. We have a lot in common. I mean, we became friends because of work, but also really because of this book series. And then, of course, through bonding through this books, we discovered that we had a lot in common, and we had a lot of mutual friends from college, but we connected over this book series, and then basically just came fast friends. And I've always been really into fantasy and reading but i've never had met someone who like to a t matched my interests so closely it was just so refreshing to kind of like you know form these mature friendships through through mutual interests rather than proximity and yeah like mia say say something about me
0: (laughs) (laughs) no i mean literally like the moment that carly and i like opened up to each other like it just felt so natural like like you said like we just formed such a fast friendship and like it was obviously sparked by this book series and like i will always be thankful for that but I think that, like, our friendship has, like, become so strong and, like, is born of so many, so many, like, more mutual interests and just, like, experiences that we've gotten to have together and, like, pushing each other to, like, be better people. But when I first met Mia, I just remember she, I was like, oh, how was your Christmas break or Thanksgiving
1: break or something? And she was like, oh, you know, well, actually this, this, and this happened. And I told her, I was like, I've never met someone who's just, like, so forthright and open, like, from the bat, because so I feel like usually people have this front of being like, yeah, everything was great, it was amazing, especially if you don't really know someone, you're not going to, like, trauma dump, but I was like, I appreciate that you don't feel like you're trauma dumping, because it also, then now I feel encouraged to be like, oh, yeah, well, actually, like, that sucks, like, and I'm so sorry that happened, and this happened to me, so maybe you can relate.
0: Yeah, and, like, that, like, honest, like, open vulnerability, like, that also only happens when you feel comfortable. Like, the fact that, like, it was, like, so early and, like, us even starting to hang out and, like, I felt comfortable enough to be, like, yeah, actually I am struggling because that shit's hard also to acknowledge that, like, oh, I'm not doing well. Oh, or, like, so hard. I need help or, like, I just need to, like, rant or vent, like, even though, like, you don't no, like everything and like all the context like I just need to tell you like this thing happened and like I just have to get it off my chest yeah
1: and I think honestly like with new friends they have a fresh perspective too so mm-hmm. it actually really helps to open up but it's so hard and I just to some of my friends who I've known for years and years and years I hadn't even opened up as much as I did with you and it was just crazy because I think you know, a lot of my friends, especially if we've been friends for a while, it's, like, I've known them when I was younger, maybe not as open, but a mature friendship is, like, being mature enough to be open and be honest and be, you know, encouraging, so I just think, like, finding those mature friendships is really important, but, you know, of course it's hard, post-grad is hard, and obviously now I think people talk about how post-grad is really hard, but I had no idea. Like I have an older sister and she never had even really told me how hard post-grad is. And then I went through it and I'm still going through it. And I was like, fuck, like this shit sucks sometimes. Like, you know, and I just think, especially in corporate America, like, it can be really alienating, because now it's, no, not everyone's on the same path. Like, everyone has different jobs. People are in different industries.
0: Some people aren't even in corporate America. They're in grad school. They're in the medical field. Yeah, also relating to your friends who are also working. Like, I don't, I literally don't understand the jobs of half of my friends. No, no, at and all. And, like, I'm I don't not, even understand your job when we work at the same company. No, literally facts, actually. <laughs> like, on the, on the weekly, we're like, what are you working on? Like yeah, what? Couldn't tell you. Yeah, literally. But it's just so weird because people are all at such different, and I know that this is just part of being in your twenties and being post grad. But everyone is at such different places in their lives. Well, like you said, like it's hard to relate. And honestly, I do compare myself a lot.
1: And I think a lot of people our age, like I'm, constantly comparing myself to other people, thinking oh, well, they're in this relationship. They're making this amount of money. They, even, they look like this. They look like they're thriving. This is, they're traveling all the time. Like, and then, you know, I just think comparison is the thief of joy, but especially when you kind of feel really lost after graduating and you're just like, what am I doing with my life? Where am I going? Like, who are my real friends? Like, just what the fuck is happening? I'm constantly always comparing myself to other people. And I think, Finding mature friendships is finding people where you don't have to compare because you're just lifting each other up, anyways. Like, I've never had true friends where you're constantly just like, Oh my God, I can't believe that happened to you. That's amazing. And then I say something that great that happened to me, and everyone's like, Oh my God. Like, it's just true, actually, like happiness for each other. And of course, I've had friendships where people have been happy for me and I've been happy for them, but it's been Really nice to make mature friendships where, from the beginning, before we even really know each other, it's like, oh, wow, that's great. But I think this is definitely a topic that me and I agree on as well. But post college, I feel like there's a lot of dating that happens. So then dating leads to boyfriends. And me and Mia. We had, we were sick with it too, but boyfriend sickness is a real thing, and I think it wasn't until, at least for me, like, I got out of my relationship that I realized that it was a thing, and, you know, it's just, it's really important to find friends that are going to prioritize you as much as a, a boyfriend, as much as a boy even.
0: Yeah, oh my god, no, like, my eyes were so opened after my breakup, when I realized, like, how much time and energy I had been giving to this person that like it was so eye-opening like I said to be like oh my god I have all of this time to give back to people and like develop relationships that I actually care about and so like coming to you and being like hey let's hang out like let's go do something this week like let's Mm -hmm. go on a walk let's do something
1: fun well I remember I was trying to emerge out of my boyfriend sickness when I first met you because I was still Mm -hmm. in my relationship and I remember saying to my ex-boyfriend, being like, oh, my God, like, should I text this girl Mia? Like, I, like, want to talk, like, we have a lot in common, but I'm really nervous, because I just, basically, my year of being a postgrad had not really made, like, any new friends, and it just was a scary thing to do after not doing that for, like, four years, five years, since I was a freshman in college. Um, and, you know, he encouraged me, of course. He was very encouraging of it, but especially once I got out of the relationship, it was just so eye-opening and easy to really be like wait even though it's really scary to now have all this free time to myself I can fill my time and like honestly have so much more fun.
0: I know and it's just so hard like I I feel like and I know I shouldn't because I have the rest of my life to continue doing this and like it was definitely like a realization that I needed to have but I just feel silly that I wasted so much time. And, like, not to say waste, but, like, I because yeah. I learned there's, lessons there's from no it. Regrets. There's no regrets. But I was spending so much of this time developing a romantic relationship. And I think that a lot of my female friendships really suffered. And the ones that... Me too. The ones that lasted obviously lasted because, like, you're still going to prioritize them. But mm-hmm. rebuilding those and reforming them and then being able to form new friendships like ours exactly post breakup is just like it's just so incredible it's just such a good feeling I mean
1: I'm always extremely impressed with the girls I know who are in relationships long-term relationships and they're still able to prioritize girlfriends I think it's honestly really hard I know for me too I was recently in my first relationship ever so I think a lot of it had to do with you know finally finding someone who I wanted to spend all this time with and being in a romantic relationship but I just kind of let it get ahead of me. And like Mia said, like, there's no regrets, but I definitely, I think going forward and pr- make sure I never did that again. And I think it's just like, we have more to us than our yeah. boyfriends. Like we were people before them. And I think now it's like, if someone asked me what I'm doing. I'm like, Oh, I have a podcast with my friend about books and I read and I go on walks. <laughs> and yeah, that might be not, As exciting as a lot of, like, stories that you might have with your boyfriend. But it's what I'm doing. And that's, you know, what my friend cares most about. Like, my friend cares most about me than any significant other I'll ever have. Because they're my
0: friend first. So, I also think that, like, that kind of connects to how my female friendships, I think, are a different kind of supportive than romantic relationships. So, I've always found that, like, my female friends... If I'm going through something, if I'm struggling with something, my female friends, like, are are just able to talk about it so much more openly. Like, they're able to give me advice, like, just kind of be, like, empowering and validating and just, like, on your side no matter what. And, like, sometimes, like, guys just get into that, you know, stereotype of, like, oh, they just want to fix it. Like mm-hmm. you have this problem, or like okay, you're you're anxious about this exam. Like okay, study for it and then be done. I'm like okay, well you don't understand where I'm coming from. I'm I feel anxious. Like <laughs> men have anxiety instead of women,
1: but I feel like men and women have like almost different anxiety. Like cause I feel like any guy I've ever talked to like can't really understand the type of anxiety I have, and then vice versa. Like I sometimes can't really understand the type of anxiety that like a guy is going through. So it's just so much easier to talk about these things with girls, and I think. When I had a boyfriend, I feel like I only turned to him with my emotional issues because I felt like, oh, well, now that I have him, like he's the one person I can turn to and I don't need to like trauma dump on anyone else. Even though with a good girlfriend, it's not trauma dumping. It's just talking about each other's feelings and being there for each other. But for some reason, I just felt like I couldn't be honest and open with other people. But I never like, every conversation I've ever had with one of my girlfriends, I've always felt 10 times better than talking with my boyfriend or a boy, even my dad, like, there's just no, not like, the dads. not the dad, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, there's just no, nothing, like, a girl, like, being there for you, because I just feel like sometimes, too, it's, like, cathartic just to even talk through it, because that's the thing, I feel like when you talk to a guy, like, I feel like Maybe, maybe that's just the guys I've been with and they're shitty, but like, just feel like they're never as interested versus if I talk to a girl, like just like they're interested in my story and what's going on and them being like really like empathetic is just what makes me feel better than honestly anything they even have to say. You no, know,
0: it's literally like the active listening skills mm-hmm. and just like, just, it's like that whole, like, sometimes you just need a friend to like sit with you in the dark, like yeah. that kind of vibe. Like, it's just like my female friends, that's always like what they will default to, like, if that's all I'm needing. Whereas, like, a lot of times I think, especially romantic partners, like, they hate to see you sad and so they want to make you happy. Mm-hmm. But friends sometimes know... Sometimes you just need to be sad. Friends know this. sometimes you just need to be sad and that they're going to be there to be sad with you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and we know this isn't revolutionary, but it just... It's making friendships as an adult is really hard. Um.
0: And it's not going to come, like instantaneously like friendships take work like like I said and like opening up and that vulnerability like that doesn't happen overnight but and yeah. all be all it's so fucking important and I just wish that I'd listened to the people that told me that but I'm happy that I've learned that lesson now
1: cool.
0: all right well thanks for sticking around for episode two we're so happy to have you here besties as you know, we're always looking for book recommendations. So if you have a suggestion,
1: you can shoot us a DM on TikTok at Reading and Ranting Pod or email readingandrantingpod at gmail.com. Until next time, besties.